Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. I am so excited <laughs> to introduce you to today's guest. She is a New York Times bestselling author, having co-authored the book Live Your Life with her sister, co-host of the talk, Amanda Klutz. And today, she takes us on a deep dive into her experiences that are the framework to her new book, released just yesterday, entitled My Own Magic, A Reappearing Act. You will find that she is honest and authentic about her journey, as she says, having felt that she lost herself in her previous marriage that left no space for her own desires, despite it appearing glamorous and full of globetrotting adventures. I guarantee you that you will resonate with so much of today's interview, whether you are currently experiencing or have experienced ignoring that quiet voice inside that's telling you it's time to make a shift in your life. As I say often, sometimes we are afraid to know what we know, And today's interview will give you insight into that common experience that we all have and what happens when we finally turn our gaze to our knowing and start walking in that direction. Without further ado, here is Anna Klutz. Today we have a very special guest, somebody that I think a lot of you probably are familiar with. Um, We have the wonderful and inspiring Anna Klutz. Yay! Hold your applause. Very happy to be here and speaking with you. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yes, absolutely. So Anna Klutz has a book that, with the release of this podcast, will have just come out. Um, it is called My Own Magic and Pod Squad. I am sure you can get a sense that this is probably right in alignment with what we talk about all the time. Uh, Anna went on an incredible journey and shared every little bit of it with us in her book. And um, Anna, I before we jump in, I want to say, Elizabeth Gilbert said, liberation is never a one-way door. So thank you so much for being incredibly vulnerable and sharing your heart and your experience, foibles and all. So that way we can, everybody else who's paying attention and listening can be liberated themselves too. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That truly, truly means more to me than you can imagine. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. So I would love to take us through the book. And so people can kind of get a sense of who you are and 
what this experience is going to be like for them to pick up a copy at their local bookstore, even though I'm sure it will be available everywhere. Um, so what really stood out to me, and this is the most simplified kind of way of putting this, so forgive me for found, sounding oversimplified, but what I really love about this experience is that you really show how we can very easily, whether this be in relationships, in careers, in where we live, in our spiritual path, what I really love that you share is that you gave us an illustration of, and forgive me for saying it this way because it was your life, but how we can lose ourselves, mm-hmm. um, how we can kind of start to wake up to the fact that there has been a voice inside of us all along, and then how we find ourselves again when we start listening to that voice and what happens, what comes from there. So can I can I take you on that journey again? Are you willing? <laughs> For sure. (laughs) So I am actually going to go fast forward and we're going to start at page 100 um, because, well, we will all know. Here we go. We'll all understand why I'm starting here. Okay. So this is one of the first things that stood out to me as far as losing our voice, because I think this is really relatable for so many. It's almost scary how quickly you can normalize behaviors that bother you, justify actions that hurt you, and convince yourself you are okay with something you don't feel okay about. So can you tell us a little bit about what was happening in your life in that moment? And then if you need me to requote you to yourself after you say that part, I will, but I would then love for you to share a little bit about what you meant. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, this this can apply to so many things, not just, you know, for, for me, it was the relationship I was in and, and the kind of the lifestyle that I was, everything that came along with that. Um, but it can happen as a result of, of job of so many things. Um, I just started to feel very lost and and rather than listening to my inner self who was trying to speak up and say, I don't really like this. I don't really think this is making me happy. This isn't really what I wanted. I just started basically gaslighting myself, um, you know, telling myself it's not a big deal, telling myself this isn't, you know, you're okay with this. This is fine. Uh, this this isn't your dream, but it, it it's okay. There's nothing, things aren't wrong enough for you to be upset. Um, I was just basically trying to quiet my inner self down over and over again as the way that my, you know, marriage and and life was unfolding and it wasn't really what I wanted. I just started trying to justify everything because I felt like I had to. Yeah. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about the, I felt like I had to. Um, You know, I think we, uh, are so at least I was so unwilling to accept any kind of of failure of that relationship uh not only because we were married and to me that was you know the vows I took till death do us part I meant with all of my heart and so a part of me felt like there isn't even an option to have this not work I promised myself and God and everyone who cared about me and my love that was in that room that I was doing this. 
So in my head, there was no choice but to make it work. And, you know, what you're willing to do to make something work that actually isn't working can be scary because you can tell yourself, I'm fine with this. It's not a big deal. Where actually yourself is so not okay. Um, and you, you know, you put on a smile and you pretend it's all fine. And inside you're so not fine. And, um, and I started doing that pretty early on. And then it just got worse and worse and worse until I couldn't, you know, I couldn't hide behind those things anymore. It kind of all exploded. Yes. So it sounds to me like you, and whether this has been, this has been, um, a slow process through all of this and kind of the things I'll be quoting for you will, will illustrate that. But what you're saying to me that I really want to point out to my listeners is that there is a difference. And especially in hindsight, you can really, I'm consensus, you can really feel it. There mm-hmm. is a difference between your wisdom, your true self, your authentic self, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's got a different word for it. Right. And then your conditioning, your mind that has all of these ideas that are roaming around in there, whether it be ideas you've made up about yourself or about life, um, your memories, your conditioning from family cultures and our society, all these different things. But there's two different things that are kind of working all the time, that quiet inner voice, as you said, and then this really loud one that tends to be more compelling. And that's the one that we often listen to. And it kind of can lead us in directions that aren't aligned with our insides. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, definitely. And that that outer voice is usually someone else's. And that's what's so strange that we choose to listen to that instead of the us that we know. Um, and like that, you know, our, our own soul trying to talk to us and say, like, we're actually not okay with this. You know, if you've, if you've seen Inside Out, the Pixar movie, like when I saw that movie, I was like, this is so deep like it is so (laughs) but I but now I think of my own brain like that all the time um because that is what's going on you have you're when you really connect and and listen to your own self and and you know honor those little voices rather than try to shut them up it changes everything right can you say a little bit about you said something really significant and impactful that I think is important for people to get clarify around. You said, I had made this commitment to God, to my marriage, to myself. There's something to be said for things that we kind of make up our mind about before at, at some point, right? Whether yeah. it be even when we're little people and we go, we have this dream in our, in our, in our minds of what something, how something is going to go, um, you know, or, or just anyway, we, we make these pictures in our, our mind of how something is going to go. And we kind of innocently make up our mind about that, it, you know, about ourselves within these different dynamics of our lives. So I think that's part of what can get people confused Cause it's like, there's that quiet voice that's moment to moment, right? It's like in the moment wisdom versus this voice that at some point was ours. And we kind of put our stamp on ourselves going, yes, that's me. That's what I'm going to do. But it no longer holds aliveness for us, right? It's no longer the thing that makes sense for 
Do you, do you see where I'm going? Tell me what, yeah, you know, what it, what it, what it makes me think of is like, we forget that we continuously are growing and changing and evolving. We're supposed to grow and change. I feel like until we're about 30 and then like, then you're just supposed to be done. Like You're just at that point, you should know what you want. You should have it, or at least most of it. You should have already found your partner. You should have your dream job, or you should be on your way there. You should have bought a home. It should be your dream home. Um, and then you should be happy with all of that for the rest of your life. And that's nuts. Like that is absolutely nuts. We continue changing and we should continue evolving and growing forever. And so when you find yourself 30 or 35 or 40 or 45 or 50, or who cares what age, and you're suddenly not happy with your reality, you're allowed to be. You are allowed to go, I know this is what I wanted 10 years ago, but you know what? I have, I've, I've identified different dreams now. My, my, myself has changed. My ideas have changed. Now I want this. Um, we should be embracing that, not shaming it. We should be striving for that, not fearing it. Beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly where I was leading the horse to water and you really felt you came through. So thank you. <laughs> oh, so wonderful. So um, there's this moment where I started to see a crack in what you are saying, where you started to see kind of a little bit in, in see through how you were kind of, you had been setting yourself up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Age 131, you were sharing about your husband and all these ideas that you had about him and his career and his life. And you had innocently been measuring yourself up to this idea of who he was and his life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Anyway, so now I'll quote you. This was about, I believe, you share more, you clarify for me, because of course I've read the book and my brain's a little bit everywhere, but here we go. Uh, this was about, I believe, his experience in London, maybe Paris. Okay, wait. Paris. In Paris. Okay. You said it was strangely satisfying to realize that this whole time I'd been comparing myself to an illusion. So share a little bit about the actual moment, the you know, the literal moment, and then I'll ask questions. Yeah. Um, I I say, I, I say in the book, I I recall the first night I I met my ex-husband and and how it now strikes me as such a red flag, but I didn't see it at the moment of from the day I met him, I felt less than. I felt less than him. And I immediately just put him on this pedestal of like, you are incredible. I could never measure up. Uh, you have achieved so much. I will never, you know, be able to compare. Um, and a lot of that, I, you know, a lot of that I did to myself. These weren't things he was saying to me or telling me, but I was measuring myself up against someone thinking, immediately that I didn't even deserve to be in their atmosphere. And 
And that is so like, when I look back, I, it, it's so painful to me that I, that I thought that right away. And, and then that, you know, that basically like this, this grandeur that I associated with him just grew and grew in my head. Um, and we had both spent semesters abroad in Paris and from the few, you know, details I had heard about his, I just instantly felt like mine was so inferior to the way he had done it, to where he had studied, to how he had studied. Um, and I, I just let this grow and grow in my head to the point where, you know, I wouldn't even speak French if I was in his presence because he could speak so much better than me. His accent was better than me. So I just wouldn't even speak French, which is something I love to do. Uh, but I just wouldn't because he could do it better. And I, you know, I didn't want to, again, I, I was less than. Um, and when we were in Paris together at one point, I kind of learned the reality that I didn't ever really hear. And, and I had this moment of like, what? <laughs> and it was just kind of me waking myself up of like, so hold on a second. I have been essentially telling myself for years that, you know, that I'm down here and you're up there. And I've built this in my head of all these reasons why, uh, you know, this, this grand illusion of how superior your semester abroad was to mine. And in reality, I would take mine over yours any day of the week. And, and it was this like moment of like, what else have I, what other pictures have I painted that aren't actually the what's actually going on here? Um, and it it was both strangely satisfying um, and and you know then kind of caused me to start reassessing everything. Incredible! What I loved, I literally had the biggest smile on my face when I read that because I was like, "There she is! She's starting to wake <laughs> up." <laughs> You know, we, we, there are some things that we want to see and want to believe because of these narratives we're telling ourselves and it can prevent us from seeing what's actually going on and prevent us from seeing our own power or our own greatness. Like, yes, you know, the ways that the only, the way I kind of just hid myself and quieted myself until I was essentially an invisible person in my own life is so sad and and it's so shocking to me looking back that I even that that happened to me because it's not me it's and and that's why you know telling the story the way I did was important to me so that you see that before I enter this this relationship I'm not like that I'm a very different person and it and it changes me and I really end up disconnected and and kind of lost and then how do you find your way back to yourself after that's happened Yes, exactly. To me, that moment where you, when you cracked through the, the, you know, I'd been comparing myself to an illusion. I talk a lot about um, interacting with life from memory versus interacting with life being in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was the first kind of sign. And I'm sure there were plenty of times throughout your day you know, where you would experience little pops of yourself, you know, yeah. 
it's I, I get the I get the feeling that your family is very close knit and all these different things. But as you share um, throughout the book, something that I really appreciate too is that you were even starting to edit yourself even with your family. But um, the biggest thing for me that that was such a wonderful moment of seeing. And I really appreciated that you shared these little tiny intricate moments that really kind of wake people up and will absolutely help people see themselves in the reflection of your story. When you start to kind of go, whoa, it's like the bubble gets popped, right? You were in a silo and all of a sudden it's broken open a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Okay. Just for in the spirit of time, I'm going to move us along. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep on going with you for hours. So, you know, here we go. Okay. Um, when I wrote on the, on the, on the, uh, wrote my notes for this, I was like, I called this signs of life inside. <laughs> you had said as the week progressed, my sadness turned to frustration and then anger. I was so desperate for his attention. I began acting out. I tested boundaries and did things I knew he didn't like just to prove that I could. I'd love to see the cocktail menu. I replied to the waitress when she asked if we wanted to start off with any drinks. I'd begun to feel a bit like a cocktail myself. All my emotions and all my emotions ingredients for a recipe were marriage on the rocks, <laughs> a dash of bitter, a hint of guilt, Hefty pour of sadness, a few drops of happy, a pinch of pride, a sprinkling of fear. I love this part too, by the way. Such a choice. Serve shaken. Because <laughs> that's exactly what we feel when we're in the middle of all of that, right? Exactly. So why I called this signs of life inside is oftentimes when I'm talking to people about what's going on inside of them and, and starting to help them kind of see who they are underneath the psychology of their mind is the anger and the resentment and the bitterness is typically a sign of whether you know it or not, you're starting to get a sense again of who you are and that you've been going against yourself. Does, yeah. do you know that that was like, does that resonate for that moment or what? Yeah, Tell absolutely. I am. Someone asked me the other day, what was the first, like if I, there was a moment that I like, what was the first sign that I was, really like not okay and unhappy. And, and I said, I started to be angry all the time. Like I, and it wasn't me. I was never an angry person. And suddenly I was just this angry, frustrated, like uh, irritable person. And then, and I was then when that would happen, I was very like, I was confused. Cause I was like, this isn't me. Why am I becoming this person? And then I also would reflect pinpoint enough to realize this isn't happening in my other relationships. I don't, I'm not angry, bitter, and frustrated when I'm with my sister. I'm not angry, bitter, and frustrated when I'm with, you know, this person. And, and that became the first like big red flag for me of like, why am I like this all the time? I think that that is a huge wake up call of like you, your actual, your actual self is making you that way because like, your inner self is frustrated with what's going on and they're trying to tell you that it's not okay. And, and that's where this like frustration and shift in your personality comes from because you realize that you've been, you've, you've given up too much of yourself or you're falling away from yourself and you're not actually 
happy anymore. Yes. And what's, I want to, let me ask you this. Oftentimes when, when we start to find ourselves having really different responses to things or um, reactions to things, or we just start to feel like we're not ourselves, you know, anymore. Typically what can happen is we start to actually, instead of get curious about it, we start to judge that there's something wrong with us. We start to judge that what's up with me that I'm this way now. Exactly. Sometimes we kind of lean into it and become a, you know, for lack of a better word, we start to become a victim of our circumstances and feel like, well, it's because of all of this. And it's like this resistance of acceptance, but at the same time, this acceptance of, I guess this is who I am now. And we get kind of (laughs) more and more bitter about it. Did that happen for you? Or did you jump right into just getting curious about noticing, which by the way, whether you did get judgmental of yourself first or not, it is so incredibly beautiful that you did start to get curious about yourself because that is such a, when we start to have these emotional experiences that are so off of center Mm -hmm. off of ourselves, like you said, because anybody who knows you and looks at your Instagram, which by the way, feels totally authentic. Not that this is an artificial thing, but it is very clear that you joy just comes out of your pores. So clearly you had a, a sense of this isn't, this isn't me. And I love that you started to get curious about, Hey, with when I'm with that friend or with that family member, or when I'm by myself, even I don't have that same experience. So anyway, first question is, did you set, did you judge yourself at all first or did you jump into curiosity? Um, no, I was, I was immensely hard on myself for a while, um, because I felt like I, when I felt that like bitterness and resentment coming in, then I felt bad. And I remember saying, I say in the book, I'm like, why am I like this all the time? Like if anyone deserves your absolute best self all the time, it's, it's your spouse. It's a, it's a partner you've chosen and the person you have to spend all your days with, like they shouldn't get the worst version of you because you're angry or frustrated or, you know, annoyed. Um, And I think that that is true, but not if it's actually that relationship that's causing the frustration, bitter anger. And, and it was in many ways, I just wasn't really willing to see that yet. Um, But I knew I, I was deeply frustrated that I wasn't doing anything for myself. I was, I was frustrated that I was falling away from myself. I was frustrated with the situation we were, our living situation. Like there was a lot I wasn't happy about and it was, it was manifesting into this like, you know, bitter anger person. Um, And, and my ex-husband was recognizing that it was, it was causing us to fight, but that's what, you know, I initially just took all this blame of like, was even harder on myself then like, well, I'm also just a horrible person then I'm a, I'm bad at being a wife. I'm bad at being this, like, you know, I, I, I went into like a dark, almost victimy place until I really started to question it and, and think like, does anyone else who know knows and loves me define me this way? Am I like this with everyone or are there just certain times uh, you know, I, I wanted to understand what was causing it because I wanted to fix it. I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to feel like that. Um, and and I, I I feel like I knew myself pretty well before 
you know, as I was younger, I guess as much as I could, that someone might at 19. And so then feeling myself fall away from myself, I, I, I felt impacted by that and I, and I didn't like it. And so I think on some level, I was sort of always desperately reseeking myself at the same time that I was trying to ignore what was going on because I didn't want the reality of this isn't actually working. Yes. And to your point of the, you being 19, that is, that's when you first met your ex-husband, right? 19. First real relationship. I mean, I had, you know, two high school boyfriends, but you know, high school boyfriends are, those relationships are free of any real problem, you know, (laughs) like your, your parents are dropping you off at their house and you're going to the movies on the weekend. You know, you're not actually like dealing with life problems. You can have very deep and real feelings for those people. And I did, but those relationships are pretty like real life problem free, at least in my experience. Yes. And for context, for folks listening, this was about how many years, when did you, when did this, the anger, this frustration, the marriage on the rocks drink, are we mid, are we close? Are we like closer to mid twenties at this point? Yeah, I got, I got married in 2015. Um, It was 2017. That was the really difficult year. Uh, and then leading in, I think that that story is from early 2018. Um, it was, it was that, that was, that was pretty hard. So, you know, we were engaged for about a year and a half and then married for about a year. So I'd say around two years in was when I really was becoming a different person and, and recognizing it, you know, it was manifesting in this, this anger, bitter version of myself. Um, it took me another year to really realize and accept what was causing it. Yes. You know, you just made me think Maya Angelou said, God speaks in whispers until she slaps you across the face. (laughs) I've never heard that. I like that. (laughs) I feel like this, this, uh, marriage on the rocks drink was starting to become the slap across the face. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I was, like I say, I was almost acting like a child. Like I, I was so desperate for, for attention and, and understanding that I just, I was so, you know, I wasn't acting like my normal self in any way. Um, and, and part of that, you know, what's important is to really know who you are and and what is normal for you. So that when you start really acting out of character, you can recognize it and go, I don't like this. This isn't me. What's causing this? How do I make it stop? There you go. I'm not proud of who I was in that moment. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember my, um, you know, I, borderline obnoxious in that restaurant. Like I'd love to see the cocktails, bring them on, you know, cause I knew it was going to make someone else angry. And I, I almost wanted to. And then, you know, the night ends and I'm like, that's not who I am. What am I, what, what is this? Like, what am I becoming? And why, why is this happening to me? This isn't who I am. Yes. And just so people kind of get a sense of things, you know, him being kind of a front and center type of person, it sounds like, and you being such an integral part of his career, I want people to really get a deep sense before they, before they even pick up the book that, um, 
you know, you being seen and you getting attention wasn't an ego thing. It was that it literally was, you were an integral part of his life and his pursuits and his passion and drive. And unfortunately, um, it really wasn't being, you weren't being kind of, I'm getting the sense that you weren't being as appreciated as anybody would want to be in order to feel seen in a sense of belonging. So they feel safe and secure in, in an experience. Yeah. Everyone, everyone needs different things is the thing. Um, and I, I say, you know, I didn't know what I really needed and wanted when I decided to get married. And it's what I said earlier, we're allowed to change. We're allowed to think this is okay for me and then start experiencing it and realize, you know what, actually it's not. Um, and, and I think that's the thing, like when your specific needs aren't being met, it, it might not even be the fault of, of someone else. It's not that they're not trying, but it's just that what they can give isn't what you need. And that's, that was a really important thing for me to recognize is everyone has their capabilities. And, and a lot of my relationship had these restrictions on it that, were were due to factors that we couldn't change. We couldn't change certain things about lifestyle and and ability and time and 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 what my role was and what that meant. And I I walked into it. I willingly accepted it with open arms, not really realizing that I was putting myself in a box. And so once you're in that box and you feel like you're suffocating or you're invisible now, I didn't feel like I had the right to now say, I don't actually like this. And it took me a long time to, to start saying, I don't like this. I need to change this because I realized my needs weren't being met and they didn't actually have the ability to be met inside this relationship. Yes. Well, well said there. I, I can't tell you how many people I have worked with who've said, but I've been in this job for 30 years. I've been in this marriage. I literally talked to somebody yesterday, had a client yesterday. I've been in this marriage for 35 years. Isn't it too late? Aren't we too, aren't we too lost at this point? And isn't that amazing? Because again, that is a hundred percent made up. But again, yeah. it's the power of the mind because it's so compelling when it when we make things up and think that that is a rule about life. We think we're in life, but we're actually in thought. Mm -hmm. And it and it it's it's funny because in our minds, I think sometimes the things we've had forever are comfortable, and the thought of leaving them is scary. And that's how I felt for a long time. I mean, I was only actually I was I was with my ex husband for ten years. We were married for about four of them. But even to me at that point, like I was like, well, but that what what would I do outside of this? Like this is now my whole identity. This is everything I know. This is this is the person I chose. And like even after only 10 years time, the thought of being outside of that comfort was terrifying to me. But it wasn't actually comfortable. That's the thing. Like Sometimes what we think is actually our comfort zone or, or our safe zone, just because it's what we know. Is it actually comfortable though? Like if you really ask yourself, am I comforted and do I feel safe and am I happy like this? And, and that's kind of what I very quickly realized when I was forced out of the comfort zone. I don't think I, I would have ever chose it. Like I, I say in this book, I am so thankful my ex-husband decided 
to end our marriage because I don't know if I would have ever been brave enough to do it. Someday something might have pushed me over the edge, but I don't know. Um, and I felt so awful at first, and I did for a while until I really started to realize what I thought was my comfort zone was actually not comfortable. And I am so much more comfortable out here in the unknown, starting over. And I feel so much better and so much safer on my own building this new life than I did in that relationship in that box. Huge, huge for people to hear how the more that we kind of get present in the moment and realize that the ideas that are keeping us in something, when you actually check in with your embodied experience, you go, oh, wait a second, this feels miserable. And, yeah. and start to really listen to the truth of that experience. But again, like I we were kind of saying earlier, we can innocently judge that it's something up with us that we are feeling uncomfortable within a situation, as opposed to realizing it's our mind. It's, mm -hmm. a, you know, it's our body being our best friend, letting us know, hey, you are at a movie in your brain that has nothing to do with your truth. And that's a huge thing to wake up to. So thank you again so much for sharing that. Great. Okay. okay. <laughs> How are you doing on that side? I'm good. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's amazing to, you know, I've I've spent a long time alone with this story. So it's it's truly amazing to to be doing conversations and finally, you know, having other people read the book and react to it and it it it's it's beautiful for me because I've spent a long time alone with this story and and to be able to talk about it with other people finally out outside of my friends and family and therapists is, is really amazing. Awesome. I'm so glad. Oh, so glad. Okay. I called this wisdom showing. And to me, everyone listening. Well, maybe not everybody, because maybe there'll be some new Anna Klutz people that are here to here to listen to this conversation too. But wisdom to me is a word that is interchangeable with true self, deeper intelligence, intuition, you know, whatever some people may call it God within, right? So anyway, I called this section the wisdom show your wisdom, your wisdom is showing, Anna. Your wisdom is showing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is you are on the family trip. Okay. So you had started to really lean into, um, you were, you were really leaning into what we all now see as your public life, which is traveling and writing and blogging. And, you know, so you started, you were really at this point doing more of that. And I believe this is after divorce, right? It was the big family trip, uh, after the, we want to, we want to, Potentially. No, um, if it was when I was in Palm Springs with my family, that was right before. Nope. So sorry. We were, we're on the East coast when you oh, went up. Okay. You're, up you're in Hudson. Different <laughs> <laughs> family trip. Um, yes, that was, that was directly after that was about two weeks after. Okay, great. So I love this. You said, as I stood at the counter, cutting, scooping, serving, and observing, because you had just made a pie and you're making it all a mode for everybody. 
I suddenly knew I would be okay. I might have lost my husband, but I still had the true loves of my life. I was sure that my marriage ending was the right thing. And I remember thinking, I will feel better in time. And I love that you put, I will feel better in time in italics, because to me, that really represents a different, quieter voice from inside. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit about that. Um, You know, that is, I, that was about two weeks after my, uh, my husband, you know, said he wanted a divorce and left and I had basically just did nothing but cry and feel awful and, and, you know, barely speaking or sad. And, you know, we took, it was my brother-in-law's idea to just get out of New York for a couple of days. So my sisters and their new babies and parents, we all went up to Hudson, this house and, and I like being surrounded by the, I think being removed from the environment I was, had been in. And then just being surrounded by my family, just, you know, being my family all together, just like the, the mix of like the chaos and and the fun and the, um, you know, everybody just being so them, it, it really made me kind of take note of, of what I had. And we're so wanting to just focus on what we've lost when something happens and we can let that eclipse how many blessings are actually just so glaringly apparent. Um, and the beautiful thing about a hard time is like the people who really do love and support you become these like beacons of light. Like they, they are there. And instead of focusing on who just broke your heart or who's gone or who's betrayed you or what you lost, it's hard to do, but if you can, just instead try to count your blessings and and look around at who's there and appreciate how great those people are. That's what I did that night. And it really made me realize like, I, I, I still have what's the most important thing to me. I, I, I have these people still, and yes, I lost the person I thought I was building a future with, but I still have so much I don't need to be worried. I'm going to be okay. And and I knew it was a matter of time because we want to just be over things quickly. We want to just heal. And I recognized that I needed to let myself hurt. I needed to I needed to cry. I needed to feel bad and and that that was okay to do. I had spent enough time ignoring my feelings and trying to, you know, shut them down and and I let myself just be really sad for a while after, after, you know, after my husband left. And, and I think that's important to honor that too, and not try to, you know, people tell you like, just, you know, act tough and and go on and, you know, you'll be fine and, and you will, but you also need to let yourself feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And it changes so much every day. Um, but I always, I give that advice to anyone who's asking me, you know, what do I do? I say, let yourself feel everything you feel. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to, you know, shut it down. Don't try to tell yourself you're not allowed to feel that way. Let yourself deeply feel everything. And and I knew I just needed to go through all those emotions, but that in time with enough perspective, I would be okay. I would, there would be days that I wouldn't just sit and sob all day. And, and, you know, they, they came quicker than I imagined. 
Yeah. There's something to be said for, and I think we've kind of got this down um, when it comes to grief, very specifically, that we have an understanding that it comes in waves. And so we allow ourselves to feel without trying to like make sense of it or qualify the feeling, right? But the reality is, is that yes, particularly your story in this moment, yes, you were going through grief, of course. But there's something to be said about starting to kind of get an understanding that you don't ever have to qualify your feelings. Mm -hmm. And what happens when we allow ourselves to move through things, it buoys us up. Like every time we have that experience without judgment or resistance, we actually get more, you know, come home to ourselves more and more and more. And what I'm, what I, when I read that, I thought to myself, fundamentally, what I can see here is that she honored herself as simple. I say this to people all the time. Our wisdom shows up very in, in very ordinary ways sometimes. And I loved that what had shown up for you is make a pie and you listen to it and you honored it. And when we do that, it gives our mind and our nervous system a chance to settle. And when we settle, all of a sudden that presence is when wisdom emerges in such beautiful ways. And I loved that you heard that and honored it and trusted it when it said you would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is very, that is a very profound thing. We think we're going to have these giant moments of, of wisdom when actually they're so small. It's, it's, it's these small things. It's small choices. It's, it was that day me just going, I haven't done anything in two weeks. I've just laid and cried. I need to do something. I'm going to make a pie. I I know this is something I can do that never fails. I I'm good at it. I'm going to make a pie. It makes me happy. I'm going to make a pie. And you know, that it, you're right. Like that, (laughs) it it brought me a lot that day and it was the smallest little thing. I could have just said, you know, no, we don't need to do that. (laughs) Just lay here instead. But um, yeah, look. That's right. That's pie. right. <laughs> Make the fucking pie. <laughs> right? I feel like that should be a t-shirt. Make the pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to have to skip a little bit here. We've sp- spoken a bit about that. Okay. Okay, here we go. Page 243. And again, italicized. So to me, every time it came up, italicized, I thought that is her. It's something you're saying to yourself. Yeah. You ital- yeah, you, you italicize um dialogue when it's not said out loud, when it's in when it's a thought. Yeah. But to I just loved that I could tell it was your quiet voice, right? It's that it was you, not your 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 ideas about life. You said, isn't that all proof that I can do it again? That I don't need to have all the answers right now. Maybe I just need to make one big choice and the rest will fall into place. And you had just shared an experience where you were with friends and, you know, really started to kind of get a sense of yourself again. I got a feeling. Mm -hmm. So say a little bit about that, about what that 
Because to me, that feels from the outside looking in, that feels like a very comforting realization. Um, and I know that some folks might feel like, ooh, that idea of all I have to do is just make, just decide, you know, it's like sometimes we know things and we're afraid to know what we know. And yeah. to me, it felt like that was the one of the first times that you had, a, not first, but where it really started to kind of get sturdy, where you knew what you knew and you thought, all I've got to do now is take the next indicated step and the rest will fall into place. And I think a lot of people will feel will feel like that's free fall, right? Like, oh God, I'm supposed to know all the steps. Yeah. So share a little bit about that. I I was um it, it was when I was trying to figure out what is what does this new life look like? Where do I live? I didn't have anywhere to live. What am I doing for work? You know, there was so much up in the air. Um, and I wanted all the answers because of course we, we always want all the answers and it feels more safe to make a choice. If you know, okay, well, there's no question marks. I have a, you know, all the question marks, here's, here's the results. And so I know everything. If I step into that job or city or relationship, I, I know what I'm getting myself into. Um, and I understand why our brains want that, but at the same time, it's like, it's nuts. That's not, even if you think you have all the answers, you don't, those aren't the real answers or like, that might be the answer today, but it could change in a week from now. Um, and and I, I so desperately wanted all these answers about what I was supposed to do and how it was all gonna work. And and then I, I ended up back in London. I walked past, you know, my old flat. I, and I remembered that year that I moved there with literally no answers. The only thing I knew when I moved to London was that I wanted to live in London. I wanted to live abroad and I wanted that opportunity. And I didn't know if I was going to like the job. I didn't have a single friend. I didn't know anything about if the salary was going to be enough to live in. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And, but I did it. And I, I built a whole beautiful life there that year and walking around London again, you know, 10 years later, when my whole life was back at, you know, we're back in building stage. It reminded me of like, I don't need all the answers there. I I just have to choose one thing. I, I did this before I came into this with so many unknowns and I figured it out and it was it, that walking around that day just kind of reminded me of of my own power and and my own capabilities and you know what I consider my own magic of like you don't need all the answers all the time. I know it sounds like it much be, might be more comforting, but you don't need them because they're probably not even the real answers. So just go with what your gut really wants or your your heart really wants or your head really says you should do and the rest you'll figure it out along the way. Yes, because that's the beautiful thing about our wisdom is that it always is available to us for the next indicated step when we ask it every moment of every day. And maybe sometimes we're not supposed to know. I mean, I know that sounds nuts, but like maybe sometimes you're not supposed to have the answer yet. It's going to, it's going to arrive. A situation is going to come or a person's going to come. And, and, and that's, that's the answer. It's like, you didn't even, you didn't even know that that answer or that option was out there. 
until you took the leap and ended up in the place that then, you know, you, you couldn't have had that answer if it didn't show up. Yes. What I'm hearing from you is, is what's available to everybody listening right now and every human that exists around the globe is that if you want to have a new experience of yourself or of your life, there is a deeper place that you can be allowing to kind of lead the dance as opposed to all of these ideas and our memories and conditioned ideas. And what I'm really hoping people can hear, because you have illustrated it time and time again in this conversation and also in the book, is that you can feel into it. When you are gripped and tight and pressure and, and angry and stressed and all of these things, there's something to be said for what are you listening to? Which voice are you listening to? Which channel are you tuned into? Because when the penny drops and we make moves that are really scary and it technically scary on paper and, and, and into the unknown, when the penny drops that it feels right, it actually isn't filled with any of that yuck. And so, you know, because you have made some really big leaps that to anybody else might go, Jesus, shit, I don't know if I could do that. But when you're in it and you're following a deeper instinct, a deeper voice, you know it's right for you, even if on paper it looks mental, for lack of a better word. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's why, like, you you have to really get to know yourself and you have to trust yourself. And and you have to realize what your strengths are and what you're capable of. And none of us give ourselves enough credit. Um, and, you know, that's another reason why I love writing and, and why I do take so many photographs and so many videos. Like when we look back, sometimes is the only time we really realize like, wow, I was brave or like, wow, that was amazing what I did. Um, we don't, we don't take enough, you know, charge and, and uh, pride in, and how everything, you know, in, in the amazing things we're doing and that they are brave and that they are courageous so that they are difficult. And so I feel like, you know, we have to look back at that every so often and really like pat ourselves on the back because it's not a, it's not a, you know, a narcissistic thing to do to give yourself credit where credit is deserved and to pump yourself up and be like, you know, that was a big win for me. I'm proud of what I just did. Uh, and that helps you connect with yourself and really realize what your, what your strengths are so that when you enter these unknowns, you know, whether it's moving to a city or, or losing a job or changing jobs or losing a, a, a partner, it, you realize like my strength is actually within I've, I've gotten through other things. This isn't the first difficult thing I've ever dealt with. It might be a different type of difficult, but I've gotten through other things and I will get through this. And we have to remind ourselves that we are powerful and capable and that that is actually our magic. She comes right around to the perfect word. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've done this before. So in this, I, I have one last question that I ask everybody, but I'm really quickly going to say my own magic by Anna Klutz is out. 
go buy it from your local booksellers. Um, you can also find her at Anna Klutz on social media and annaklutz.com. She has a fantastic Paris guide for <laughs> all of your needs and wants. Um, it is pure wanderlust. If you want to follow her, it's pure joy for me when I to look at her stories and everything that she does. So thank you. Anna Klutz, thank you so much for being on the podcast, What Moves You with Jesse. Here comes the last question. You can answer it. What I want you to say, whatever bubbles up first, spiritually, okay. practically, whatever it is. Final question, Anna, what moves you? Boy. Uh, I, I, I would say like the unknown, I, it, it really does. I, I say in the book that I realized that the unknown is actually my comfort zone. Um, and because of the way I have seen what happens to me and what results from these times that I'm thrown into the unknown or willingly choose the unknown, when you see the result of that, you almost become addicted to it. <laughs> and and it is so wonderful to experience um, that that I'm moved by experiencing that myself or or anytime I see anyone else experiencing it because you're almost like, oh, I know the change that's in store and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see it and I can't wait until you see it and I can't wait what it means for the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And everybody, go get the book. Dose of inspiration. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you in LA in, in two, less than two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so looking forward to it. Uh, All right. Thank, thank you so, so much, much again. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at What Moves You with And please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now. Let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.